Our subject today is overcoming moods. Moods actually are, very, are a very useful thing in one sense, and that is that they help us to see, once we come out of them, how much our vision of reality is conditioned by what we are rather than by what we actually see. Most of what we see in this world is to a great extent conditioned by this sort of uh, veil or these colored glasses that we put on. The world itself is neutral. Conditions are essentially neutral. It's the way that we view them that makes them appear to be either happy or sad. You know, even people in concentration camps have been able to find cause for gratitude, for rejoicing, for growing, for serving others in a way that normally they'd never have a chance to do, seeing they've had a chance to see them as opportunities. And there are other people who you would think would have no reason in the world to complain about anything. And my experience is that such people are very often the ones who complain the most. They'll complain about every little thing, a cushion may be out of place and they don't know why they're not quite as comfortable as they would like to be. I, I met somebody once, uh, um, we were staying together in a, in a home in Italy, and uh, in the morning at breakfast I said, well, how did you sleep? And she said, I didn't sleep well. I don't know why I didn't sleep well. Why is it that sometimes I don't sleep well? And she went on with this, she wanted this intense spiritual counseling on why she hadn't slept well. And yet, probably, she slept as well as any one of us. She wanted something to complain about. It was a beautiful home, beautiful weather, beautiful breakfast, beautiful everything. But you see, when your attitude is fixed one way, that's how everything is going to look. Now, this is very important because we judge things positively and positively and negatively all the time, don't we? And usually, we lay the blame, I should say, we project the blame onto the world, onto circumstances, onto others. It's a very important thing to realize that uh, it basically stems from our attitude. If we can have the right attitude, then everything in the world will somehow give us cause for rejoicing. Now then, how do we overcome moods once we've got them? Because whereas we can sit back sort of like armchair philosophers, and watch somebody else having moods and say, well, it's really all in your mind. But as soon as we get into difficulty in any way, emotionally, mentally, there's some sort of a cloud that seems to come down upon us, it's really not enough to say it's all in the mind. We've got to figure on some way, got to find some way, that can take us out of those doldrums. Now, one thing we absolutely must remember, and that is that the feeling, the reason, will always follow feeling. If the feeling is negative, reason will justify that negativity. Reason will justify our uh, feeling uh, cynical or upset or distrustful or condemning or uh, just unhappy. And so don't try reasoning. In these recent talks, I've mentioned more than once that thoughts, this is something that uh, my spiritual teacher, Paramahansa Yogananda, wrote in his 
very famous book, Autobiography of a Yogi. You've probably read it or heard of it. He said, thoughts are universally, not individually rooted. That is to say that the thoughts that you think don't, don't get created by you. Rather, they are manifestations of the particular level of consciousness on which you live. Again, I used the illustration either last week or the week before, I don't remember exactly now, but uh, of television programs. You turn to different programs, you get different scenes, whether they be beauty, violence, humor, uh, music, whatever. The same thing is true with us, that when we turn our mental uh, dial and tune it to different programs of these thoughts that are available, then we find that those thoughts come crowding in. We think they're ours, but in fact we're just sort of reflecting and translating into thoughts that state of consciousness with which we're in tune or into which we're sort of, as it were, locked. So the important thing is that we learn to tune in to the right program. Well, so far so good. How do you do that? One of the important things to realize is that there is a definite directional quality to our consciousness and energy. That is to say that depending on where our consciousness is centered in the body, or to be more uh, specific, in the spine, because that's the sort of highway of energy that comes from the brain down to the body, that transmits um, impressions from the body up to the brain. And so this spine is really sort of a long tube of subconsciousness, as it were. And depending on where we're in tune, on, uh, at which level we're in tune, that's the kind of subconscious thoughts and images, attitudes, that's going to be fed up to our conscious mind. So that when, for example, your energy and consciousness are centered in the heart, then the uh, chances are that you'll be feeling more deeply. Your feeling level of love, of kindness, of bitterness, of hatred, anger, all of these things relate very much to the feelings in the heart, or more literally, the heart center in the spine. It's very interesting, the people who have had bypass heart surgery very often find that unblocking the veins to the physical heart by bypassing them actually produces an enormous release of feeling too. So you see there's even a tie-in with the physical heart, but the center of feeling is not the physical heart, it's that that uh, chakra, as they call it in the Sanskrit writings, the center of neural, psychoneural uh, energy uh, behind the heart in the spine. That's why when people are, uh, let's say, disappointed in love, they say, I, I'm suffering a broken heart. They never say, I'm suffering a broken knee or something else. It's in the heart that one feels that. Well, this is true all the way up and down. When you uh, feel sensual, the energy goes down into the lower part of the body. In fact, the second of these chakras, if you want to get into this a little more deeply, and if you 
don't, well, you can either turn to another program, as I've been talking about, or just accept that you're stuck for a moment. But uh, about an inch and a half from the base of the spine is a center that relates to sexual energy. And whenever you feel sexually stimulated, you'll notice that that is where that, that uh, focus of energy seems to be. There's another focus of energy here, opposite the throat in the spine, and when you can get centered there, then you feel calmness, expansion. Now, mind you, there are two ways of being centered. One is to get the energy focused and then turn it upward so that it feeds your higher consciousness. The other is to get it focused and send it downward or outward so that emotions are the outwardness of the feeling quality where love, especially uh, divine love, devotion, aspiring love, is um, uh, when the energy is turned upward. So also in the throat, if the energy gets stuck there, you may even have difficulty speaking because it relates also to the vocal cords. It, it, you may feel very restless, but if you can get that energy centered, if you can become really calm and then feel that energy going upward, you'll feel your energy expanding outward and you'll feel a great peace come over you. Now, if you can get your energy centered here at the point between the eyebrows, then you find something else happening. Whenever you concentrate deeply, as I hope you're doing right now, are you frowning slightly? Maybe not, but often when you, when you really want to concentrate on something very deeply, you tend to knit your eyebrows. It's not the frown of, of uh, worry. It's a frown brought on by the fact that in deep concentration, the energy goes up and becomes focused here. It's an interesting thing that that center is, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot going on there. For example, whenever you will something, you, I'm going to do it, and you frown like that. People who have deep marks here are often people who emphasize willpower a lot in their lives. Now, another thing that you'll see is that when um, saints are depicted in prayer or in ecstasy, isn't it true that they are always looking upward? It's because the energy, the consciousness becomes centered here most deeply, most calmly, when that energy goes out and upward in contemplation of divine realities. And in fact, if you would concentrate here, your energy, this will become like a magnet drawing your energy upward. Now, how does all this relate to moods? In one way, quite obviously, um, depending where your energy is centered, but to overcoming moods. Now, there's the interesting thing. Years ago, I, I remember falling into a mood. I don't get moods very easily anymore, but this one is a, was a good one. And as long as I had it, suddenly, it's as if I was invaded by all these thoughts of how people are so inconsiderate of others, nobody really cares about anybody else, and, and uh, this is how the whole world is. And I, I sort of kept on expanding this thought, but it was a negative thought, and so the expansion didn't, didn't uh, make me happy. It made me feel trapped in a hostile universe. And then I stepped back and I thought, well, all the reasoning I'm doing, I kept trying to talk myself out of it, and my reason said, oh yeah, well, and it would come up with another good reason to support why I ought to feel negative, because that's what the world was really like. And I thought, well, I don't like this. I think I'm just, just uh, 
Uh, I'm the one who's suffering, uh, obviously, but uh, why? If something is wrong, why suffer twice? I suffer because the thing is wrong, and then I suffer because I don't like it, and that makes me many times more unhappy. Let me get out of it some other way. And I sort of asked my mind, do you like this mood? And it said, no, no, I want to get out of it. And so I sat down and I concentrated my mind here in this upper center. You know, this is the center of the brain, the part of the brain that's the most advanced anatomically, isn't it? It's the frontal lobe, which dogs, you see their foreheads go right back. It's man that has this high forehead because he's got this highly advanced part of his brain that is makes him capable of idealism and spiritual uh, thoughts and inspirations and so on. And so by concentrating here, you can change your level of consciousness in a moment. Well, this is what I did. I sat down, I concentrated here, I looked up and I concentrated there very deeply, with, but with lots of willpower. I didn't let my mind take hold with all its negativity. I just pushed those thoughts out and concentrated with all my force of will. You know, it took only five minutes, maybe less. Suddenly, my whole state of mind was completely changed. I saw all the reason in the world why, after all, people don't always have time for me. They've got all their own problems, their own things to do. Maybe they didn't even notice that I was needing this, and so on. And so it is that if you want to overcome moods, then we need to change. You need to change your level of consciousness. You need to do it by willpower. You can't just sort of dream your way into the change that we're talking about. And willpower can be used when you can learn how to direct energy. Energy ultimately becomes, if not the key, certainly vital as a part of the key to overcoming negative emotions, negative feelings, moods, etc. You'll notice, incidentally, that people who have high energy don't fall into moods. That whenever you feel moody, it's because your energy level is low. That when you can not only change the level of the energy, but also the intensity of it, that the mood, to a large extent, changes also. So, if you fall into a mood, instead of just sort of going into a downward spiral vortex that takes you deeper and deeper, not only into the mood, but into a loss of energy, into feeling sort of uh, unable to cope with it, no willpower, and so on. Excuse me. All of those things are a part of feeling moody. If you will put your willpower out into doing something positive with energy, taking a good walk, running, working on some project, and just pouring your energy into it, something that demands a positive expression of your mood, of your, of your energy, you will find that your mood will gradually dissipate and you won't have it anymore. As long as you're exerting willpower, as long as you're uh, exerting energy, and then if you can direct it upward too, that will be the, the way to completely get rid of it. Now, in directing it upward to the point between the eyebrows, what we're talking about here is um, a practice that most people don't know too much about, meditation. Meditation, well, in the Catholic Church, meditation is usually reading something and thinking about it. Uh, you 
meditate on a course of action. You uh, use your brain in some way or another. Meditation in, in the right sense, in the sense that I mean it, um, I don't mean to say that the other definitions are wrong, but we need a word that will say this, and meditation does it better than anything else. That kind of mental state where the mind is not thinking restlessly, but focused in complete absorption. This is concentration, but when you can direct concentration upward toward God or toward one of his attributes like calmness, peace, love, joy, light, power, um, uh, wisdom, uh, etc. There are eight in all. If you can do that, then you'll find that your mind will be suddenly in tune with something that it doesn't have to create. What it does is receive. Now, many people think, well, you've got to think. What do you think about in meditation? And I'm trying to say you want to get above thinking into a state of, of uh, absorption, of contemplation. But uh, I want to sort of hammer that thought down, so to speak, by emphasizing that you don't really think anyway. You receive thoughts. You receive all the kinds of energy and so on that makes you think. And so even though you think you're doing all the work of thinking, you're receiving to a great deal more, a greater extent than you yourself realize. So in meditation, don't imagine, because it doesn't even happen on the most worldly level, don't imagine that you have to create God. You have to create peace. You have to create love or joy or all these high states. And if you can't think yourself into them, then they won't be available to you. It simply isn't that way. Those realities exist on a higher level. And what you need to do is receive them. This is something that it says in the Bible in the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Receptivity is the essence of meditation. If you think in meditation, it should only be as a means of sort of uh, pushing your restless thoughts out so that you can hold your mind still. Now, mind you, I'm not talking about having a blank mind. A blank mind is passive. I'm, be, I'm talking about having your mind in such a state of positive awareness, positive absorption, that you're not creating it with your own little ego. You're totally locked into receiving like an astronomer gazing into the heavens and trying to capture some distant star, gazing up into that stillness and suddenly finding that in that stillness, when your mind becomes still enough, focused enough at this point, what will happen to you is not something uniquely yours. It's yours, and in the sense that you're unique, it's uniquely yours, but it's there for everyone to have. And that is, you'll suddenly see a light. Probably it will be a round light. And it will draw you gradually up into it. Or, as you meditate very deeply, you may suddenly hear a sound in your right ear. And if you go with that sound, it'll take you deeper and deeper. And in that sound or in that light, the, the, these are purifying experiences that gradually lift your consciousness up into divine realms.
that's why Jesus said he would send the Comforter. The Comforter is this Son, the Word of God, the Holy Ghost. And in listening to that, you become absorbed in that, and you become purified of your dross, including moods and negative thoughts and so on. Other things will come to you too. You'll suddenly feel a bursting love. You'll feel a joy. I, I'll never forget the first time I felt joy, literally centered here, and I just couldn't get over the fact that joy could have, all, have an actually physical uh, reality. But there was such a sense of joy, scintillating, throbbing here at the point between the eyebrows. This is the sort of thing that I'm talking about, that when the mind is still, uplifted, receptive, then suddenly these things happen. So if you want to get out of moods and get off them permanently, then practice meditation every day, just a little bit. Just uh, figure, well, you spend five, five minutes a day wa brushing your teeth, uh, brushing your hair, doing things like that. Why not spend five minutes with God? Why not spend five minutes giving your higher nature a chance? And then you'll want to do it more, I would say, meditate at least half an hour, but I'd say also get started with what you can and then expand it. You'll find that the time will come when you love it because it gives you that kind of understanding and upliftedness of consciousness that brings you close to God and takes you soaring above all those negative things that uh, so many people live with. The truth is when people say, well, of course I err, I'm only human. The truth is that this is our potential, and until we have achieved it, we have to say, well, I'm sorry I've erred, it's because I'm not yet human. Thank you.